Adam 12. Won't be seen tonight, so he can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about SCTV. The Martin Short Ears. Yeah. Oh, baby. This month is my birthday month. <laughs> and I insisted that we did the Steve Martin Short Month because... Uh. So good. Steve Martin was my first huge influence. Yeah. In terms of a human. Mad magazine, Bugs Bunny, and right. all that stuff came right. first. <laughs> but also I loved SCTV when it yeah. came on. I yeah. think I probably liked it more than Saturday Night Live because what they did was they created their <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking about SCTV. <laughs> sorry. What they did was they created their own world. And that was kind of my first Maybe my first experience with that type of show. And ever since then, I've loved that. And I've loved to do that. I think having a, a playground, a fictional p- playground. Well, having your can, own, like, like uh, a unified world. Sure. Like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. His, All of his movies take place in the same universe. They have or the same brand of cigarettes. They're movies inside the universe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, 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 not Paul Thomas Anderson. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Yeah. You know, has a very specific way of doing right. things. Right. Um, I've always tried to do this in comedy and stuff. It and it it either works or it doesn't. And I right. think SCTV is the best example of that because it was basically a TV network, which, yeah. gave, which gave them free reign to parody everything. You can do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I love concepts like that. That's one of the reasons that I always like Doctor Who, even though I don't watch it, is mm-hmm. because with the caveat of the show, you could literally tell any story. And the writing was head and tails above Saturday Night Live. I love oh, Saturday yeah, Night Live, yeah. and there's some great bits from the 70s. You go back and you watch the original <laughs> cast, it's not as funny yeah. as it was. It was ragtag and different, and it was live. Look, yeah. SCTV wasn't live. No. It was taped. No. It was a different animal, but it it just goes to show how great and influential it was with how right. many people from SCTV actually went to Saturday Night yeah. Live. Yeah. And also creatives. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just brilliant writing, brilliant acting. The character work was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, insane. I mean, we were watching some clips, and it's just <laughs> – you can tell these are really good actors, not just comedian yeah. actors, but really good actors. Um. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that they were playing for laughs. It was that they knew what they were doing was funny. Yeah, it wasn't – a lot of their stuff isn't like, ha-ha, laugh out loud, no. crazy funny. It's a thinker. Well, that's – but that's, that's what I think SNL does is that they're like, no, we have to get laughs every 30 seconds. We have to do sure. – we have to do this. We have to do this. And SCTV – Create characters. Yeah, SCTV create... trusted their audience yeah. to get it and think it was funny. They didn't care about having a catchphrase at the water cooler no, on Monday no, morning. no. We watched this episode that was basically uh, a, a holiday movie. It's a it, wonderful yeah. life, but it's a wonderful it like a film. Mix of all of it was them, weird. You know? I know, I know. But it was so bizarre and so well written. Yeah, yeah. And and but not t- terribly funny. But but still but extremely funny. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so. F- it's it. It's, <laughs> the show is super weird. Oh my god! And. Martin Short playing the coked out director oh was it's like something you've never seen, was, but it was so extremely It was so accurate. It was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. So, and so and Catherine Kathleen uh Catherine O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara yeah. being the sh- nobody does drunk. 
better than oh, Catherine O'Hara. Oh, my God. So good. And to see also Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara together when they were just oh, babies yeah. oh, is yeah. so much fun. Yeah. I, 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 see, this is how excited I am. I didn't even <laughs> let you get into it before I got into it. No, no, it's, it's, it's fine. Well, take yourself back to 1976. Uh, April 24th, Saturday Night Live producer Lorne Michaels makes an off, on-air offer to pay the Beatles $3,000 to re- reunite on the show. John Lennon and Paul McCartney were apparently watching the show together in New York City and considered walking down to the studio to accept the check. Michaels would raise his offer to $3,200 on SNL's May 22nd episode. That's hilarious. Big spender, Lord Michaels was. Well, it was a joke. I know. I know. Uh, it would have been really funny if they did show up and he was like, well, it's two of you, so here's $1,500. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. June 7th, after several years providing commentaries for the show, David Brinkley joins John Chancellor as co-anchor of NBC Nightly News, an attempt by the network to bolster ratings against the CBS Evening News and to harken back to the success it had with the Huntley-Brinkley Report. The Huntley-Brinkley Report. Oh, baby. Back when news actually had integrity and it was yeah. news. Yeah. We had Cronkite. We had Brinkley. We uh, had... Oh, who, the Good Night and Good Luck was, Well, he was name. in the 50s. Was he? Or the 60s, the 60s yeah. 60s, well. He still had integrity. Well, he was... Okay. Edward R. Murrow? <laughs> yes. There's an award yeah. named the Edward R. Murrow Award for integrity. You said integrity. I'm just saying. Hey. Nobody's better than Edward Armour, That's except true. maybe old Cronkite. <laughs> July 1st, the pay TV network Showtime makes its debut, appearing only on a Dublin, California cable system. The net- network would expand nationally in 1978. Oh, and the first thing they showed was some nasty booby movie. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> September 25th, 21st, SCTV premieres on Global Television Network in Canada. Oh, yeah, eh? Those Canadians, they are so funny. Yeah, so we're going to, before we get into the Martin Short stuff, I'm just going to do a little background on SCTV itself, because he didn't come in until a, a few seasons into the show. No, no, he was, uh, he was doing a lot of theater. Yeah. He was, he was in the, uh, the Second City uh, stage troupe. Yes, yes, yeah, which is why he eventually got on SCTV. Yes, that's how it worked. Uh, <laughs> there is much dispute as to who actually created the SCTV series. The show itself bears no created by credit, although it gives developed by credits to Bernard Solins and Andrew Alexander. Solins was a Chicago-born writer, director, and comedian best known as the founder of the Second City Improvisational Company Troupe with Paul Sills and Howard Alk in 1959. And it's still around today. I didn't know it was 1959. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was the 60s. No, improvisation <laughs> um, started to take off in the late 50s, in the yeah. early 60s. It was, there was a lot of heralds. There was a yeah. lot of uh, rules to it. There was, right, you know, right. it wasn't as uh, freewheeling and... Yeah, obnoxious yeah. as it is today. <laughs> uh, there was <laughs> well, they they're still the heralds, and they're still they're uh, still this stuff. But yeah, I hate it's... heralds, man. I hate them. <laughs> well, I, I love. It. Look, full disclosure. Yeah, I am an improviser. I did sketch and improv for about twenty years. Yeah, uh, on the circuit. Yeah, in L.A. Yeah, um, and I loved it. If I could have made money on it, that's all I would want to do. Yeah, because I loved it, and I did it with a lot of really talented people, which is the only way to do it. <laughs> I also no. did it with very untalented people. I got to tell you this real quick. So I, back when I was doing improv, there was really just two places in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. There was the Groundlings, 
right. where you go for your classes right. and then hope to get into the troupe and then maybe on a Saturday Night Live. It was right. that was the path. Yeah. And then there was L.A. Connection. So uh, L.A. Connection. I've even heard of that. Oh man. Uh, I think was it, it might was it still like be the around? weird little low grade version of the yes. Groundlings. <laughs> yes, worse than that. So <laughs> I was uh, waiting for my next Groundlings uh, class or something, mm-hmm. and in between, I, I looked at you know I looked up uh, uh, LA Connection. So I went in there, yeah. and I auditioned, and they immediately put me in their Sunday company, and you got paid. Well, Wait, is that is that good? Oh, that's the good company. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, okay, it was the sec- Saturday, Friday, and Saturdays were the tops. Sundays was like the beginning. Yeah, and then you know you, you work, work your way into the Friday and Saturday, and you got paid quote quotes. Oh, uh, but I mean maybe made five bucks. Um, <laughs> but what I, I was like, great, this is awesome. I get to get sure. on stage. It's not like they were very discerning. Yeah, when picking their performers, <laughs> who goes up? Yeah. Because I would get up there. There, there was. The worst people I've ever worked with. There was a guy that was so bad, man, so bad, that any time I was on a scene with him, I would immediately shoot him <laughs> as soon as the scene started so he'd have to be dead the entire time. And I would make it like a murder mystery or something. But it was it was torture. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. They called me up. They're like, we'll put you in the great company. We'll do whatever. Because yeah, yeah. not that I was great, no, but, but I was better than the, the You obviously awful. were better than, <laughs> yes. Drones that they had just right. pulled in for money because they also wanted them to take classes. Yeah, yeah, and. yeah. So it was the worst, absolute worst. It was just the opposite of the Groundlings. Wow, and, wow. And that was when that kind of that's when I started uh, decided to start my own groups. Nice, yeah. nice. Uh, we'll be talking more about the Groundlings uh, next week when we talk about the Jerk. Oh yeah, because one of the I didn't know this, but one of the actors in it uh, founded the Groundlings. Nice. Yeah, it'll be fun to talk about that. Uh, so Bernard Solins, he also opened a Second City Theater in Toronto in 1973. Shortly after Second City Toronto was not doing well, uh, apparently I don't know if Canadians didn't get improv or something. Hey, where? <laughs> What do you mean there's no script, eh? You just, these are make-em-ups? Oh. But you're saying that there's a guy there and there's not a guy there. You're holding a glass, but there's no glass. (laughs) I don't know, space work from outer space? Oh, I don't know, eh? This is word. (laughs) Alexander then offered to assume its debts in exchange for the rights to operate the Second City in Canada. Solons agreed, and in 1974, Alexander took control of the Second City Toronto. It was a coup. Yeah. Uh, In 1976, Andrew Alexander was looking to expand his company into TV, so he called together the current cast of the stage show, including John Candy, Joe Flaherty, Dave Thomas, and Eugene Levy, to discuss a format for a Second City TV series. Man, what an amazing group of comedic Uh, actors. To be around them. Uh, Eugene, small small side note, Eugene Levy's the very first celebrity I ever saw in L.A. Really? Yeah. In fact, it was before the internet. This was the late 90s. I was out here visiting a friend, and we were on the Third Street Promenade, and I saw him, and I go, oh, my God, I don't remember his name. I literally went into a bookstore and grabbed a film book and looked up a movie he was in to remember his name. But he was nice. He was super nice. I talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. I went and said hi. Like, it was, I was like, hey. He was actually with uh, his kid, who now is the... Shit's Creek guy. Yeah, the Shit's Creek guy. Nice. Yeah. He was Dan very, Levy. Dan Dan, he was like a tiny carbon copy of him, but a much smaller version. Yeah, <laughs> was, they got them brows, yeah, baby. Yeah. They got those levy brows. But he was super nice. He was a very nice guy. Well, I could see that. Yeah. I, I'm really excited about his uh, Apple TV show, The Reluctant yes. Traveler. Yes, it's going to be great. Uh, also in attendance at the meeting were Second City veterans Harold Ramis, Sheldon Pentinkin, and Del Close, along with business partner Bernard Solins. Del Close, that sounds really familiar. He, uh, they have a theater. He did a bunch of improv stuff here in North Hollywood. Right. He had, there was theater called the Del Close Theater. Yes. Uh, that I've actually produced some 
some shows at. I'm sure you probably performed at. Probably. Um, I don't know if they still call it the Del Close Theater or not, but it was that for a long time. Uh, it's now uh, Keebler Cookies presents <laughs> the Del Close Theater. He was also, um, I believe he was on the Love Boat. We talked about him on the Love Boat. Yeah, it's just his name is very yeah. familiar. Yeah. According to Dave Thomas's account in SCTV behind the scenes, various ideas were batted around then, and here is where meeting attendees remember things differently. Either Close or Patinkin came up with the idea of presenting programming from the world's smallest TV station. The cast immediately jumped on the idea as a workable model for presenting a virtually unlimited range of characters, sketches, and ideas, while still having a central premise that tied everything together. Brilliant. And, a lot, brilliant. and some of the greatest stuff was the behind-the-scenes yeah, yeah. machinations of the network, the SCTV yeah. network. That was always, it's always one of my favorite genres is the behind-the-scenes TV stuff. Like, I always found those fascinating. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. great. From there, the actual... You know what the first one was? Oh, no. The Dick Van Dyke Show. Oh, that's right. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. There were writers for... Uh, yeah. For, what's his name? For Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner, who also will be talking about in The Jerk. <laughs> oh, well, geez, man. He directed that, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Oh, he's yeah. just, God, what yeah. a brilliant guy. Oh, him and Steve Martin. We'll talk about it. But they, uh, they so had hard a not to. huge, like five or six movies that were just brilliant. They yeah. did together. Yeah. yeah, The Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid. Yeah. Such an underrated, brilliant oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. Anyway, we're here to talk about yes, Martin Yes, we'll talk about The Jerk next week. Uh, from there, the actual content of the show, the characters, the situations, the Mellonville setting, etc., was all the work of the cast with contributions from Alexander and Solins. I love that it was Mellonville. Mellonville. It's so Canadian. Uh, Alexander remained as producer and executive producer throughout SCTV's run. Solins stayed for the first two seasons as a producer. Patinkin was a first-season writer and de facto editor and post-production supervisor. Close had no further involvement with the series. SCTV was initially produced in 1976 at the studios of the Global Television Network in Toronto, then a small regional network of stations in southern Ontario. Oh, yeah, eh? Oh, yeah. Like, just a small amount of TVs, you know. You know, there's just a few, just a couple cameras, eh? <laughs> and they're hand crank, you know. They don't yeah. have electrics. We don't, we don't understand the electricity up here. Uh, they're beaver-powered, eh? <laughs> For the first six episodes, new episodes were seen once a month. Uh, the schedule for... All of SCTV was super bizarre. Well, that's uh, just Canada, man. I, it's super weird. Uh, for the next seven episodes, beginning in February of 1977 and continuing through the spring of 1977, new episodes were increased in frequency to bi-weekly. Well, it was a tough show to put together, especially on a shoestring budget and a yeah. little thing. Yeah, They had a lot, big aspirations with a tiny budget. They did. They did. In September 1977, Global ordered 13 additional episodes, which were seen once a week from September through December. Nice! Uh, so getting more... more Happening more frequently. These irregularly scheduled 26 episodes produced over a period of 15 months are considered one season for syndication purposes. All of the original cast, except for Harold Ramis, was from the Toronto branch of the Second City Theater Improvisation Troupe. Ramis was a Second City veteran, but with the Chicago Troupe. And became a really great director. Amazing director. director. Ghostbusters. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. I love Harold what about Bob? Oh, he's so good. What so about good. Bob? All right, what about him? <laughs> the original SCTV cast consisted of John Candy, Joe Flaherty, Eugene Livy, Andrea Martin, Catherine O'Hara, Her- Harold Remus, and Dave Thomas. Oh, so damn brilliant. But you know who I just think doesn't get the, des- the-, the credit he deserves? It's Joe Flaherty. Man. Yeah. Joe yeah. Flaherty was one of the greatest sketch performers ever. Yeah. He was so good. And he... He went on, when there was the Ed Grimley show, mm-hmm. Flaherty was one of the voices. No, oh, yeah. You know, he he and Martin Short worked together a lot. Yeah. And 
Yeah. He's just that guy that is such an unsung hero that just showed up. I mean, Better Off Dad. Not Better Off Dad. One Crazy One Summer. Crazy Summer, Playing yeah. the dad. The yeah. guy just was such a great. All of these guys yeah. were brilliant actors trapped in comedians' bodies. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. All also served as writers on the show, uh, although Martin and O'Hara did not receive writing credits on the first four episodes. Oh, Yeah. Remus served as SCTV's original head writer, but only appeared on screen as a regular during the first season and spread out over two years. With the exception of Ramus, every cast member of SCTV worked as a regular performer on another Canadian TV show concurrently with the first year of SCTV. Okay, look, you can do your little show about a show, but we're going to have to... We got a deficit over here on this show, so we're going to need you all to do double duty here, okay? I just, I and mean, look, I, no more pay. Sorry. I'm sure they were happy just to have to be working so much, but I can't imagine trying to produce two shows like, at the same time. Flaherty, get on the bus. Time to go to the other show, eh? Flaherty, Candy, Thomas, and Martin also worked together as regulars on the David Steinberg show, which premiered the same week as SCTV on the Canada-wide CTV television network and in U.S. syndication. He was big. David Steinberg was really big. People completely forget him. He, I have he, no idea who David Steinberg on is. On uh, one of the sketches that we watched yesterday, mm-hmm. Martin Short was playing David Steinberg. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's he's right. Oh, with like the, the, as the director. Yeah, yeah, he's got like the big teeth, and he's right. got like the... Right. <laughs> the David Steinberg Show also featured SCTV cast member Martin Short, but did not use any of the SCTV cast as writers. It folded after a single season. Uh-oh. Yeah. The show went on hiatus during the 1979-1980 season, but returned to production after Andrew Alexander and Charles Allard, owner of the independent station CITV in Edmonton, Alberta, struck a deal to produce SCTV at CITV's facilities. Candy, O'Hara, and Remus dropped out at this point, and Dave Thomas was promoted to head writer. Added to the cast and writing room were Tony Rosado, Robin Duke, and Rick Moranis. Robin Duke! Yeah. Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis is so brilliant. Awesome. Robin Duke and Andrea Martin worked together a lot. Yeah. They were in, in uh, oh man, what was that Robin Williams movie where he takes over the resort in Jamaica? All of them were in it, actually. I don't, I don't know. Because Eugene Levy... Rick Moranis, Robin Duke, and Andrea Martin were all on the show. And you know why? Because Robin Williams used to appear on SCTV he did, yeah, when it yeah. first started out. And then he made <laughs> yeah. friends with these guys and threw them and everything. Yeah. I thought, oh, my God, we watched that super bizarre Bowery Boys thing with, with Robin Williams oh, yeah. being like a tough guy but super gay at the same time. And, like, it was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> The Bowery, do you remember the Bowery Boys? Yeah, yeah, kind of. It was kind of this, you know, they had the, the tough old priest and the boys that were, yeah, yeah bad yeah. boys, they're not bad boys, they're just doing bad things. Right. You know, and they would get into mischief and whatever, and it was just this ridiculous, like, hey, tough guy. It was, you know, it was like the Little Rascals right. kind of, but, right. you know, a little bit older. It was super weird. It was funny. It was really funny, but it was super weird. <laughs> there, there was a definite way that they portrayed gay people back then that was, oh yeah, uh, you know, not the most... Oh, very effeminate and very, yeah. Well, there was that whole scene, too, with Eugene Levy and Martin Short as the doing the documentary. Oh, and yeah. And everybody's yeah. walking behind them doing the limp wrist thing and the walk. Yeah. And yeah. The whole joke was that these these guys were gay, but they didn't admit that they were gay. Right, right. But everybody right. knew they were gay. Right. But it was done in a way that was weird, but still funny. It was funny. Yeah, it was weird. The whole thing was super. Oh, about the youth of America. Yes. And do they really care? Eugene yeah. Levy's character was so oh. great. I mean, it was, I didn't know it was him at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He's so brilliant. He's so brilliant. So Rick Moranis, a friend of Dave Thomas, primarily known as a radio personality in Canada, was the only cast member not to have come from the ranks of the Second City, which I didn't know. I thought he was. I thought he was part of the Second City. Rick Moranis. Yeah. No, he's no, too he was, little. Yeah, he was too little. He didn't meet the height requirement. <laughs> Well, <laughs> Martin Short came real close then. <laughs> well, he he was wearing lifts. Oh, so he, okay. He was, he was able to get He in. was a smart cookie. He was a squeaker. <laughs> he was a squeaker, eh? This season of the show was seen in Canada on the CBC and in scattered markets in the U.S. in syndication. In May 1981, NBC picked up SCTV in a 90-minute format as a presumably inexpensive replacement for the canceled Friday music variety show, The Midnight Special. Yeah, I remember that, too. Do you remember the Midnight Special? Mm-hmm. It was not very good. <laughs> there was also Fridays, which was yeah. another sketch. But I think that was on ABC. ABC. Uh, yeah, I think it was. If I remember correctly. I think I mentioned it at some point in here. This occurred mainly because the network had practically no time to prepare and develop a new American-produced program in the light of Midnight Special producer Dick Ebersol's emergency return to Saturday Night Live, which he co-created with Lorne Michaels in 1975 in a successful effort to save it from cancellation. Uh, for more information on this, listen to our Eddie Murphy SNL years, where we talk about how after uh, Lorne Michaels, not Lorne, I think it was Lorne Michaels left, and yeah, then Dick Ebersole. and Dick Ebersole came back in, and the show was going to fail. It was bad. Ah, yeah, it was. It almost got canceled. Yeah, it was. Bad. It was. It was the lowest part that season blew. That was the season with uh, Anthony Michael Hall, right? And yes. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and it was weird. And the and the the uh, the crazy guy from. Vacation movies. Chevy Chase? No. Well, yes. Oh, uh, Rick, oh, oh no. Uh, the Dennis, Dennis's brother. Dennis Quaid's brother. Dennis Randy Quaid's Quaid. Bro- Randy Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Quaid's brother. Actually, Randy Quaid was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, SCTV thus functioned as a solution to a serious scheduling bind for NBC, but as things turned out, it was a temporary fix that only lasted two years. Less than two months after season three ended, SCTV is back on the air for season four, airing first as SCTV Network 90, then as simply SCTV Network, late Friday nights, early Saturday mornings, airing at 12.30 a.m., 11.30 p.m. Central. Wow. Yeah. For this iteration, Rosado and Duke dropped out, ending up as cast members of SNL during its rebuilding years following Gene Dumanian's stint as producer, who was the one who almost got the show canceled. Yep. Uh, And Candy and O'Hara returned. Because of the rush to generate material for the 90-minute format, several early Season 4 episodes consisted partially or entirely of sketches broadcast during Seasons 1 to 3. This is, again, where the show is so confusing. I know. I know. <laughs> because they just kept reusing old stuff. And... Yeah, it was weird because you would watch it and it'd be like, am I watching a rerun? But Right. But no, there's new stuff. I've seen this, yeah. but then there's not. There's It's intermixed with new stuff and like... Yeah. I mean, it's 90 minutes. you got to fill 90 minutes. That's a lot. It is, especially something that is self-contained and part of – you have right. to make everything kind of match. You know, yeah. everything's yeah. got to kind of flow. Right, right, exactly. Uh, Ramus, Duke, and Rosado appeared in many of these sketches uncredited with the new American viewers not recognizing them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Season four was broadcast irregularly from May 1981 to July 1982. Beginning in January 1982, production series returned to Toronto for the remainder of its run, ending the year-and-a-half stay in Edmonton. Thank God. Yeah, thank God, Edmonton. Edmonton, that Edmonton Ugh. year. Ugh. Edmonton. It's, it's like the, the butthole of Canada. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Don't Actually, you watch it, eh? Pretty sure Calgary is the butthole of Canada. <laughs> I don't know. According to people I know that have lived in Calgary, yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> writer-performer Martin Short joined the cast at the end of season four, taping three episodes before O'Hara, Thomas, and Moranis left. 
Yeah, they hated him. No, just uh, I can't be around this little weirdo. Bad blood. One of those. (laughs) No, no, no. That didn't happen. One of those episodes was aired as the season four finale in July of 1982. The other two were held for the start of season five, which began in October 1982. For the remaining 12 episodes of season five, the cast of Candy, Flaherty, Levy, Martin, and Short were augmented by supporting players John Hemphill and Mary Charlotte Wilcox, neither of whom became an official cast member. Yeah, they just threw Hemphill in occasionally. Yeah. Uh, Also, during season five, Ramis and O'Hare returned for one episode each as guest stars, just to make things even more confusing. I know, right? (laughs) The show ran 90 minutes on NBC, but was edited down for, to an hour for Canadian TV, so which meaning that there was sketches they didn't even see in Canada. Hey, we got a uh, short attention span, eh? You know? <laughs> we got lots of stuff to do, eh? We can't spend 90 minutes watching ha-has. <laughs> we got lots of stuff. We got back bacon to eat, dukes to, to yeah. make and wear. I end up drinking too much beers uh, if yeah. I'm watching for 90 minutes. Got a lot of Molson. <laughs> In the fridge. <laughs> the last original SCTV episode for NBC was broadcast in March 1983 with reruns continuing through June. All right. So that's SCTV. Now, let's talk about Martin Short. Let's. But let me just say this about SCTV. It, even though it didn't last very long, the amount of ridiculous comedy performance we got out of it. Oh, the, yeah. If you look at, like, Tim and Eric or yeah. the Kids in the Hall oh, or... Yeah, yeah. Just about any sketch group or weird <laughs> offshoot of comedy, you can see the DNA of SCTV in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Especially rewatching clips. Because I haven't seen all of it. Uh, I only saw mostly the stuff that was here aired here in America during the NBC years and the early 80s. So There's like, just no production value, it's, by the way. It's, it definitely embraces the no budget. <laughs> it really does. And it looks like crap. But it is so funny. You don't care. Like, no, that whole no. movie that they made, it was just so, so ridiculous. oddly done. So with the shots and stuff. But just so funny and so weird. Just it was so weird. Super, everything was super weird. I mean, I, I made this comment that it reminded me a lot of the Kids in the Hall. Because I, in college, I loved Kids in the Hall. But... It was never like a laugh out loud funny. Some of it was, mm-hmm. but it was more just that thinking weird, like, oh yeah, this is funny. Yeah. Because it's just so freaking weird. It was character based. I mean, yeah. it was it was driven by the characters. They yeah. had a lot of I mean, same thing with SCTV. It was driven by the characters. Yes, yes. There wasn't you know, you didn't ever really see Martin Short as Martin Short. You know? Right, right. He was always you know, uh, Jackie Jr. or <laughs> Ed Grimley or David Steinberg. Or David Steinberg. So Martin Short was born on March 26, 1950 in Hamilton, Ontario, the youngest of five children of Olive, a concert mistress of the Hamilton Symphony Orchestra, and Charles, a corporate executive with Stelco, a Canadian steel company. It was really great that Carl could be so open-minded about his wife being a professional mistress and having to sleep with all the people in the, in the, in, in in the, the concert. In the, yeah. Well, in the orchestra. Right, right, right. She didn't have to go, you know, seat to seat in the crowd. Well, she was the concert mistress. Oh, so she did have to She did, the yeah. Yeah. That's how she got her son. They're nowhere <laughs> sure that it was Carl's. <laughs> Charles. His name was Charles. Well, she called him Carl's. Okay. It's the Canadian <laughs> pronunciation. Oh, it's you're Carl's. right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, you're it's right. a silent H. Uh, so he had three older brothers, David, Michael, and Brian, and one older sister, Nora. 
Short's father was an Irish Catholic immigrant from Cross Maglin, South Armagh, and and Armagh, in uh, Northern Ireland, who came to North America as a stowaway during the Irish War of Independence. Neat uh, stowaway. That's cool. That's a story. That's a story. Yeah. Short's mother was of English and Irish descent. She encouraged his early creative endeavors. His eldest brother David was killed in a car accident in Montreal in 1962 when Short was 12. Oh. Yeah, that's sad. His mother died of cancer in 1968. His father, two years later, of complications from a stroke. Good Lord. Martin Short has had so much tragedy in his yeah. life. You know, so much death and loss. I can't, and for the guy yeah. to be so... Still so joyful and... Which is such a consummate professional. It's yeah. so funny and so engaged. I mean, he's, he's that guy that could be so annoying. <laughs> and most of them are. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, these... You know, like, I loved Robin Williams. I loved him. Yeah, yeah. But, man, I got tired of his... Shtick, because yeah, he would just—he yeah. was relentless. He yeah. didn't know when yeah. to stop. He was an addict. Yeah. But Martin Short is a—is just such a professional and so perfect at being that guy. Oh yeah, he, yeah. Every talk show appearance, every interview yeah. is always entertaining. He always comes with something. He's so quick. My favorites were brilliant. He, were he and. Uh, Conan O'Brien, yeah, he would just yeah. lay into Conan, <laughs> and they're really good friends. But it's yeah, just, yeah, he's just the guy that's always at the parties. He's everywhere. Everybody loves him. Yeah, they always invite him. He's just, he's just, he's like Hollywood royalty. Yeah, yeah, and he's deserved every moment of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. He earned all of it for sure. The funniest guys ever. Uh, Short attended Westdale Secondary School and graduated from McMaster University with a Bachelor of Arts degree in social work in 1971. That's going to make you a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Short graduated from McMaster University, he intended to pursue a career in social work. However, he became interest- interested in acting once he was cast in a Toronto production of Godspell that same year. Good Lord, is this the Godspell? Yes. Among other members of that production's cast were... Victor Garber, Gilda Radner, Eugene Levy, Dave Thomas, and Andrea Martin. And Paul Schaefer was the musical director. Victor Garber. Yeah. I worked with him on a TV show. He's he, an extremely nice guy. Oh, yeah. So great. He was on that show with, uh, with Ben Affleck's ex-wife. Uh, the, yeah, it was uh, The Spy Show. It's a good show. I don't remember the name of it. Oh my god, Imposter. it's right there. It's so close to my yeah, brain. I see it. I was uh, I was on a. He was on a season of Justice. It was a show from uh, Wells, the the guy who did ER right. and stuff. And and I I worked on that show. And he was the only cast member that would come sit with the crew and like eat with us. Nice. Such a nice guy. Well, the guy's been through it, man. Such he a was nice a. Guy. He had to hide his sexuality for yeah. years and years and years yeah. and years. But apparently, he and Jennifer Garner are still extremely close. Oh, good. And I think he might be like Alias. Godfather? That was the name Alias, of the show. Alias. Sorry. <laughs> and and sorry, Jennifer Garner for <laughs> Jennifer calling you Garner, ben, ben Affleck's, Affleck's ex-wife. ex-wife. It's yeah. the most insulting thing ever. I apologize. <laughs> Alias was a great show. It was a great show. It was. And he was great. And Victor Garber is a fantastic actor. Uh, so Short stated in the documentary Love Gilda that he and Gilda Radner dated each other on and off during that time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he was subsequently cast in several television shows and plays, including the drama Fortune in Men's Eyes in 1972. You know what's funny about him is Martin Short has the air of he was a child actor. He, do- he does. Doesn't he, he seems seem like that? Like yeah. he was like... Because he looks like a kid, especially when uh, yeah. he was younger. He oh, always my looked God. Like he was 10 years old. But uh, <laughs> That was the best thing in that It's a Wonderful Life spoof where they show him in the back and he's like, he's the new director, and then just immediately snorts some cocaine. <laughs> yeah. It was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> you're like 12. What are you doing? <laughs> so 
But yeah, it just seems like he was. I think because he didn't he do a movie where he was like an ex-child actor or something. Or yes, he just he has that kind of. He's old... I think he's played a kid. Well, like Clifford, yeah, definitely. Well, that's what, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, oh god, that's such a great movie with me and Charles <laughs> Grodin. Oh my god, but uh, but he just has that air. Of a guy that came from vaudeville or came from a yeah. performing family kind of yeah. vibe because he's just – it's in his DNA show business. Yeah, yeah. It, like nobody – like there aren't guys like that – or women aren't like that anymore that just have that DNA of showbiz and are yeah. just consummate awesome performers. You got like Leah Michelle and people like that that are, ooh, showbizy, but they don't have yeah. the charm or the right. – or that, that ambassadorship – He's yeah. like the ambassador to Hollywood. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. He's just such a great celebrity. Yep. At being a celebrity, he is amazing. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and he's done wonders for Steve Martin. Because Steve Martin's amazing. Yeah. But he, yeah. in interviews, wasn't always the greatest. But the two of them together, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. good yeah. Lord. Uh, in 1979, Short starred in the U.S. sitcom The Associates about a group of young novice lawyers working at a Wall Street law firm. He probably did his, you know, this guy. <laughs> The Associates was produced by the same team that produced Taxi. Despite being canceled after nine of its 13 episodes aired, it was nominated for two Golden Globe Awards and two Primetime Emmy Awards. Probably had some great writing. Yeah. I mean, must have. But nobody likes taxi. lawyers. No. Uh, well, Wall Street law firm. Yeah. that's uh, You're mixing, mixing two things that are not great. It's not very accessible to the common <laughs> man. Uh, in 1980, he joined the cast of I'm a Big Girl Now, a sitcom starring Diana Canova and Danny Thomas. I love Diana Canova. She, she is great. She's great, yeah. She was in Soap. Yeah. She was offered the sitcom because of her success playing Corrine Tate Flotsky on ABC Soap and left Soap shortly before Short's newlywed wife, Nancy Dolman, joined it. Ooh. Yeah. Short met Canadian comic actress Nancy Dolman in 1972 during the run of Godspell. She was also in Godspell. Yeah, there was such a... Just definitive moment for so many performers. So many people, yeah. They're mostly Canadians. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, the couple married in 1980. Dolman retired from show business in 1985 to be a stay-at-home mother and raise their family. Short and Dolman adopted three children, Catherine, Oliver, and Henry. They adopted three children? They adopted children. three children, Oh, my yeah. gosh. Dolman, unfortunately, died of ovarian cancer on August 21st, 2010. There's a uh, story I want to... Is it, sure. is it in here? Though, which story? The About him? No. Around that time... Martin Short did an interview, and I'm not sure. It was with a probably Today or one of those innocuous, you know, dumb, bubbly morning shows or some stupid show. Yeah. And the interviewer had not done her research. And all she talked about was, oh, you have the greatest marriage in Hollywood, and people just love your wife, and they're just, they love the way that you and you've been together forever, and it's just, what is the secret, and blah, blah, blah. And that man. Could have been like, my wife died yeah, recently. How dare you? Or, right, you know, right. do you, you got, nope. He went along with it. Oh, yep, she's the greatest. He didn't embarrass her. He didn't Aww. do anything to make this woman feel uncomfortable for her egregious mistake. Right. right. Because that's who he is. Yes. Yes. That shows you who Martin Short is. Yes. The way that he dealt with that is just absolutely, I couldn't have done I wouldn't have been able to do it. It would have been hard, yeah. You know. I would, yeah, I would have. Probably stopped the interview and or snapped like, or something. I've been like, yeah. you know, I mean, but that guy, damn. he's here. I mean, you're so right. He is someone that knows how to handle his celebrity. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not somebody that you see going out partying and and was like, you know, he does his rounds and he does his his appearances and stuff. But like, he never gets bad press. He 
loves being a celebrity, it seems. Yeah, yeah. And he is good at it. And there's very few people that are good at yes, it. Yes, yes. I don't know very much about Martin Short. No, I didn't know he and was I watched married. All I of his talk show hosts get adopted kids. Yeah. Like I didn't know any of that because he doesn't use that. It's no. all coming on and making jokes. It's he all coming on yeah. and being. He knows that people don't want to sit down with a very serious Martin Short. No, and have no. A, a discussion about all of his pain and all of the things he's been through. He's here to bring joy. He wants to entertain. Yeah, he can't help yeah. it. It's just who he is, and he's so damn good at it. Oh, he's so good at it. Short was encouraged to pursue comedy by McMaster classmates Eugene Levy and Dave Thomas, whom he joined in the improvis- improvisation group The Second City in Toronto, Ontario, in 1977. I would just oh, I know. eat my own face time, to have been part of that. Time machine, man. If I had time machine, there's certain eras I would certainly go back to just to watch. Or to be a part of. Yeah. I mean, I would... Well, I'm not good at improv, <laughs> so I would be watching. It's just like... Yeah. The thing about improv is it's either the worst thing... In the world. Worse than mimery, worse than anything. Right. Or it is magic. Yeah. And it all depends on who you're performing with. Yeah. There's a few people that I perform with that's magic. Yeah, you just have that connection. You just John Falky. Yeah. Magic. I work with that guy, not just comedy and improv, but movies and all sorts of stuff. And he and I have uh, chemistry and and, uh, and. and a, a playfulness, a and shorthand a, a, that, that yeah. yeah, that I I would do anything with that guy, yeah, because it's yeah. just so much fun, and uh, and Matthew Hoffman, and, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, Jess Rice, and you know, so many people that that I was lucky enough to work with, right, and it just it, there's no better joy than creating something from nothing, and yeah. it works, yeah, yeah, because we would do scenes, we wouldn't do like improv games or yeah. you know. We occasionally right, right. would do, I guess, the crime or that kind of crap. But mostly it was just like trying to do sketches, build, improvise yeah. sketches. Build characters, yeah. And the there's one of the most <laughs> – one of my favorite things ever was we were so tight as a group, the four of us, that we'd get the – you know, let's have a place. So, you know, yeah. Let's get an object or whatever. we get the suggestions from the audience. The lights would go down, and they would come up, and we would be doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Unbeknownst to each other, right. we just were doing, you right, know, we're all right. painting the you're wall. All, yeah, we're yeah. all like, you, you all know. have that start. Yeah. And then we look around and we know that we're in it together. And there's nice. just that we're like, here we go. That's good. Yeah. We're on and we're doing it. And it's just, there's really no greater joy to me than, than yeah. really clean, awesome, good improvisation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is something I, a long time ago, that I, I felt like having a creative connection with someone even supersedes like a romantic connection. You know, I yeah. mean, there's people that you can have this creative bond with that that is just magic. And it can also be as taxing as being in a relationship. <laughs> yes, yes. Because, yes. especially, you know, we were young men and we were very insecure. Yeah. And very headstrong and very competitive <laughs> with each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just, I think, man, there is no greater source of drama Ugh. than a comedy group. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. I have never experienced more drama, pathos, pain than being in a comedy group with a bunch of damaged, yeah. damaged yeah. comedians. You never know when somebody's kidding or not, Jim. <laughs> Truth and kidding. Yeah. I hate that, by the way. Truth and kidding? Truth and kidding. I had a, somebody who would always say that because you'd make a joke and they'd be like, ah, but they'd say truth in kidding. So you're trying to say something truthful by making a joke. No. But that's not. How about you just speak the truth? <laughs> I'm just making a joke, dummy. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, at SCTV, uh, oh, so shorter period on SCTV between 82 and 83. It's crazy. It was only a year. A year, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much essentially just one season. Uh, at SCTV, Short developed several characters before moving on to Saturday Night Live for the 84 to 85 season. Oh, man. He carried so many of these characters oh, yeah. to so many different mediums. It's really amazing that, that A, he was allowed to. Yeah. Uh, because obviously they they must have had ownership over these characters. Because yeah. uh, God knows SNL, he couldn't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, he did still have ownership over his character. I think he made a deal with oh, SNL yeah. because he, he must have. Because Ed Grimley, he, with that show, was after SNL, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, cartoon. But I think Lorne Michaels was a producer on it. I'm not sure. Have to look that up. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I, when we do the three amigos, I'll probably get into all that more of that stuff. Nice. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I know now Lorne Michaels has got ironclad agreements with everybody. Oh yeah. Every movie you do after this for he, the next 15 years is me. Mine. Owns you when yeah. you sign on to Saturday Night Live. Which I mean, whatever. I you still are making stuff and you're making money. So I mean, well, I, he doesn't produce as many movies as he used to. What, do you, no. what was the last Saturday Night Live uh, movie that? Oh man! Because they used to uh, they used to do these awful the nineties and the early two thousands. It was all everywhere. I think that uh, it might have that been that Bukowski boys movie killed it. The what is love? Oh no! The yeah 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 yeah. With uh, yeah, Chris Kattan and Will, Will Ferrell as the brothers. The I think Puntos, that, I think the they did that, that weird um, Mary Catherine Stewart movie after that. That I wasn't bad. I but love I, her so much. I, <laughs> It was funny. Just remember her that scene where she just destroys the entire bathroom by accident. It's that like, was her. Yeah. That was Mary Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. Pit smelling Mary Catherine. Uh, so some of the characters he created were age songwriter Irvin Cohen. Irvin Cohen. Uh, Give me a C. About CC. Commonly thought to be loosely based on American composers Irving Caesar and or Irving Berlin. Yep. And perhaps Canadian songwriter Leonard Cohen, but actually, according to Short in his autobiography, inspired by Sophie Tucker. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, defense attorney Nathan Thrum. Or Nathan Thurm. Thurm, sorry. Nathan Thurm. Yeah. Is that the guy that was, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what are you saying about that? That's not, that's not us. <laughs> he, he did on Saturday yeah, Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> smoking <laughs> a cigarette. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing like that. Uh, Albino Vegas singer Jackie Rogers Jr. and his father, Jackie Rogers Sr. Yeah, Jackie Rogers Jr. <laughs> Jackie Rogers Sr. Yeah, they were kind of like uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, they yeah. Had that whole like babe thing going, babe. Uh, Jackie Rogers Sr. was mauled to death by a mountain lion during a comeback special that took place in the woods. We watched that. It was so, <laughs> it was so it was, took weird. such a turn. It's so great, though. That's what I love about this show. It's so weird. Uh, oddball man-child Ed Grimley. I must say. I'm going to have a really good day, I must say. <laughs> Later featured at SNL and in his own short-lived animated television series entitled The Completely Mental Misadventures of Ed Grimley. The Completely Mental, mis- mental, the completely mental Misadventures, I must say. I got to tell you, Ed Grimley is... Hands down, my favorite character he's ever done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hands down, possibly my favorite SNL character, or I guess I would say SCTV, because, you know, yeah, sorry, he's there. both, yeah. But the, and the, there's no explaining him with his little poopy uh, it's so like, little weird. hair thing popping up and his pants all the way up and his outfit yeah. and the way he dances and the way he talks, I must say. Yeah. I had the, uh, <laughs> I had, we in college, mm-hmm. we had the Ed Grimley. Pull oh yeah, the doll. doll. Yeah, yeah, the talking yeah, I doll. Say. Yeah, and we'd be like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I remember I'm just, that. I'm just, I'm just, I remember that. Yeah. Say. Um, we were playing with that in a Kmart. <laughs> so, in the Ed Grimley animated show was one of the most groundbreaking, crazy. Yeah, because they would parody like Wizard of Oz and stuff, and it would yeah. all be these characters. It would be Leonard. Co- uh, it would be uh, you know uh, 
Jackie Rogers Jr. Be Jackie Rogers Jr. or it'd be Irving Cohen. Or, you know, they would all come in it, and, yeah. and Joe Flaherty would be there as Dracula, and it, it's just so weird and so much fun. The guy's brain is just oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, uh, the Ed Grimley Show was, which was produced by Hanna Barbera and aired for a single season in fall of 1988, is the only animated series adapted from an SCTV character and a Saturday Night Live character to date. Nice. Yeah. In the fall of 1983, NBC wanted the late Friday night time slot for the new Friday night videos. Uh, SCTV, despite its unexpected popularity among younger U.S. audiences, was not a high priority with the network and essentially acted as a placeholder for two years while NBC reevaluated its late night pro- programming strategies. It was one of those great comedy secrets that you had with your friends. And yeah. it was that, and it was Monty Python that you would see on BBC. Right. You know, these cheeky, dirty, yeah. different things that just fans of comedy and fans of smart comedy. Right. right. Were, you know, we were just completely. Gra- we just completely gravitated to those shows because they were so brilliantly done. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I would, I, I would one hundred percent put my sketch writing influence more of an SCTV, yeah, than a Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it's it, it, it's unfortunate with SNL. SNL is fantastic, and I there's lots of great stuff that has come from it. But you're almost kind of tying yourself up because they have to literally do the whole show in seven days. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and because of that, they don't focus on character work. You know, it's more about situational stuff. Sure. And, or and they things. do, or they have their stable of characters that they write, yeah. you know, different sketches yeah. for. Yeah. Not so much now. As no, used no, to. not as much. No, it's much more commentary now. Political. I think. Yeah. Than anything else. Yeah. Which is great. It's still very funny. It's, yeah. The, yeah. I just watched the, uh, the last show with Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson oh, yeah. is the best. He is Phenomenal. Got to go to his dispensary. <laughs> Wood. In, in, nice. In, uh, he says it's the most beautiful dispensary in, in the entire nice. America. All right. All right. Uh, SCTV was offered a slot on early Sunday evenings by NBC, presumably 7 p.m. 6 central. But because the producers would have had to alter the show's content to appeal to, quote unquote, family audiences. Ugh. Per a 1975 amendment to the primetime access rule, as well as face CBS's dominant 60 minutes, against which several NBC shows had failed since the 1981 cancellation of the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah, there, there were two spots around that time where they would throw in very experimental shows that would die. Yeah. And that was up against Dallas on Friday nights. Yeah. Where they did, they had that weird, like, superhero science show with Courtney Cox and, I forget the name of it, but anyway, um, that went up against it. It was very different, but it failed. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was weird. Back in the day when there were only three channels, yeah. NBC, CBS, NBC, there was PBS and a few UHF channels if you had some rabbit ears. Right. And the the right dial on your TV. Right. Uh, but they had this thing where anything before nine o'clock was considered family time. Yeah. And it was extremely censored. Like you well, couldn't yeah, even say was, damn or hell yeah. on TV. That was the primetime access rule. That was yeah. always, I, I distinctly remember like Sunday nights trying to watch TV and it was always be like the most awful family movies. Yeah. And I was like, no, I want to watch the good stuff. And they cut them. They cut all the movies. I like, cut them to pieces because yeah. they had to cut out all the content. But yeah, that's why shows like Happy Days is you know, and even even risque shows of the time like Three's right, Company right. are so quaint because they had to follow. It, it made for better writing because they had yeah. to write around the rules, right? And so right. it was the challenge and the and the creativity that had to come out of the limitations and restrictions. Yeah, really made for some really great shows like Taxi. Yeah, and uh, Cheers. You know. Innuendo. We got a lot of innuendo. Yes. Rick yes. Clever, Working you know, around. Yeah. Yeah. Play. 
So because of all that, uh, the producers of SCTV declined to move to the earlier time slot on NBC. So instead, for its final season, the show moved to the premium cable channel Super Channel in Canada and Cinemax in the United States, changing the name slightly to SCTV Channel. Yeah, and the S was for sex. And yes. it had everybody was topless. Cinemax, it definitely was. Yeah. A lot of butts. A lot of butts. The running time was now 45 minutes, and new episodes, 18 in total, were seen on alternating weeks from November 1983 to July 1984. For this final season, the cast consisted solely of Flaherty, Levy, Martin, and Short, although Candy, Thomas, and O'Hara all made guest appearances. After the show went out of production, several SCTV characters continued to make appearances on Cinemax with Flaherty reprising his roles as Count Floyd and Guy Caballero during free preview weekends in 1987 and 1988, and Bobby Bittman appearing in a standalone special chronicling his life and career under the Cinemax comedy experiment banner. So great. Count Floyd. Oh, oh yeah. Count Floyd. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was He's the vampire. Character. On September 5th, 1988, ABC aired a one-time special called The Best of SCTV. In the special, Flaherty and Martin returned as Caballero and Prickly. The two presented a look back at SCTV using flashbacks as they tried to convince the FCC to renew their license. Nice. Great. Even, even the special had to be worked in somehow to the, to the world. A slightly different version aired in Canada, wherein the pair make their arguments to the CRTC. This ne- necessitated a few changes to certain lines of dialogue and on-screen text, but the show content was otherwise identical. Ah, they had a lot of A's, eh? They had, had hey, A's in, yeah. Hey, look, CRTC, eh? We, please renew our license, you know. There's a, a law in Canada that you have to have a certain number of A's per, a, a's per a. minute. Uh, well, yeah, eh? Or you show. get canceled, eh? Yeah. Yeah. The special was ordered during the 1988 Writers Guild of America strike and was not repeated. Oh. Yeah. During its network run on NBC, the show garnered 15 Emmy nominations, often with multiple episodes competing against each other. Of course. Yeah. The episode Moral Majority won an Emmy Award for writing for a variety or music program in 1982. should have won all of them. It should have. During Joe Flaherty's acceptance speech, award presenter Milton Berle repeatedly interrupted with sarcastic retorts of, Oh, that's funny. Flaherty then turned to Berle and said, Sorry, Uncle Milty. Go to sleep. A parody of Berle's famous closing line to children at the end of his Texaco Star Theater programs. Listen to your Uncle Milty and go to bed. A flustered Burl simply replied, What? The incident became comedy fodder for SCTV as the next season contained a bit where Flaherty beats up a Burl lookalike while shouting, You'll never ruin another acceptance speech, Uncle Milty! Love that they were just abusing Milton Burl. <laughs> Love Joe Flaherty. It's so great. SCTV won the Emmy Award for writing for a variety or music program again in 1983. Ironically, the most popular sketch in the program's eight-year history was intended as throwaway filler. It was Bob and Doug McKenzie. Oh, baby. The dim-witted, beer-chugging, and back-bacon-eating brothers in a recurring Canadian-themed sketch called Great White North were initially developed by Rick Moranis and Tom, Dave Thomas, respectively, as a sardonic response to the CBC Network's request that the show feature two minutes of identifiably Canadian content in every episode. Hey, welcome to the Great Wide North, eh? I'm Bob McKenzie. This is my brother, Doug. How's it going, eh? Okay, so today we're going to talk about our new toques. If you look at them, we got a couple of new toques on our head. Uh, his is brown. Mine is yellow. Uh, we got them from my mom. It was great. Uh, we're going to crack up a couple of Molson's, have some back bacon, and, uh, you know, we're just going to do what we do. Talk, talk about some hockey. <laughs> Strange Brew is still one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Still one of my favorite movies. The two of them together. And also, Strange Brew has uh, Mel Blanc 
as their dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why do you guys do it? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I can't wait to do that movie. But, yeah. Yeah, it's it was I had there was an album that I had mm-hmm. that they made. Um, oh yeah, they they be they were huge. Yeah, uh, the two minute length reflects the fact that American shows were two minutes shorter than Canadian ones to allow more commercials, leaving two minutes needing content for the Canadian market. The Bob and Doug McKenzie segments first appeared in 1980 at the start of season three and continued in every episode until Thomas and Moranis left the series. The characters ultimately became You're a hoser, eh? I, I can't, well, yeah. <laughs> the characters ultimately became icons of the very Canadian culture they parodied, spinning off albums, a feature film, Strange Brew in 1983, commercials, and numerous TV and film cameos. Oh, God. Bob and Doug helped popularize the stereotypical Canadian trait of adding eh? But to the end of sentences, a facet of Canadian life often gently ridiculed in American shows featuring Canadian characters. Like ours! Yeah. <laughs> Lines from the sketch such as, Take off, you hoser! became part of North American popular culture. Oh, baby. Uh, I do want to point out on the cruise I just got back from, I sat next to a guy during a, um, a nice teppanyaki dinner. Uh, he was from Canada. In fact, he was in Vancouver, but I asked him, I was like, well, you know, have you always lived in Vancouver? And he's like, oh no, I used to live way north where they would average like 10 feet of snow every every winter. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah. But he literally finished every sentence, not with A, but with right. Like every sentence was, well, you know, right? Yeah. Like every sentence. I, I lived over there, right? Because you go over there, right? And then I was like, well, you got a car, right? And like, I'm <laughs> seriously, the guy was fascinating. Yeah, maybe that's the new A. But I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I just wanted to. It was hard for me not to start to do it. Sure. Well, it is. It, those types. I I have a really hard time not act, <laughs> yeah. accent matching yeah. people, yeah. especially if I've been drinking. Yeah. And I would get into to trouble. Like in uh, <laughs> when I was in Central America, I would get I would drink, and my Spanish would get so much better. Oh yeah. And I would get like the regional. Uh, accents and stuff, and, yeah, and yeah. people I would talk to, you know, they would start. They'd be like, "Oh, wow, you're oh. great in Spanish." I'm like, mm, I don't <laughs> no, know. What you're saying. <laughs> At the moment, I, I, I was like a savant. Yeah, I was like beautiful mind. I figured it all out, <laughs> but then I would sober up, and I would not have the same pronunciation <laughs> or knowledge of the language. Right. Thomas later revealed in his 1996 book, SCTV, Behind the Scenes, that the other members of the cast grew envious and bitter at the immense financial and popular success of the Bob and Doug McKenzie albums, ultimately leading to Thomas and Moranis leaving the show in 1982. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it's tough when somebody breaks out of your group and gets big. It's, yeah. It's, and when you're young, too, it's also, you're very competitive. Yeah. And it's easy to get a little, you know, shot and throwed. Yeah. You know, yeah. going through that stuff. But it's, you know. Again, this is also, like you said, it's there's drama. There's always sure, going to be drama. Sure, And then, you know what? The rest of them turned out okay. Yeah, it's fine. They did okay. Flaherty and Candy accused Thomas of using his position as head writer to increase the visibility of Bob and Doug, though the original segments were largely unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> An SCTV episode even poked fun at the duo's popularity. Guy Caballero de- declared that the they had become SCTV's top celebrities, supplanting Johnny LaRue. This led to the pair being given a Bob and Doug special with Tony Bennett as their guest, which wound up being a disaster. Guy Caballero! Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I think it was oh, a Guy Caballero. Didn't he run the, the, the studio? Yeah, the I think SCTV? he... Yeah, yeah. I, they had a couple different like heads, like because I know that O'Hara ran one as like an old lady for a while. Yeah, like, she was yeah, like early on. Uh, in April 2018, Netflix announced that Martin Scorsese would direct an original comedy special exploring the legacy of the show. Oh wow! 
In May 2018, it was announced the special would be titled An Afternoon with SCTV and air on CTV in Canada and Netflix worldwide. The special was filmed at the Elgin Theatre in Toronto, Ontario, Canada on May 13th, 2018. The filming reportedly lasted around three hours and played to a live audience of around 1,500 people. Nice. Unfortunately, on May 12th, 2021, Joe Flaherty revealed in a Facebook comment on an SCTV fan group that the special had been shelved. Why? However, the following day on May 13th, Netflix revealed the special had not been shelved but delayed due to Martin Scorsese's other commitments. What? Yeah. Again... Go back to SCTV. Super confusing. Oh, <laughs> I don't. Did it ever come out? No, it has never come out. What? The, the Netflix claims that it's it will at some point, but they filmed it and it's it's been filmed for like four years. They use it as a tax write off, like I, Batgirl. But it's I don't know if he's Scorsese's like directing the documentary part of it, and well, that I mean he's got cre- done, he's got to like, put his thumb on the yeah, post production. It's not like he just he lets just, people do. He's been so busy doing others. He had to make the Irishman apparently, and apparently. You know, yeah. So, yeah, that's it. That's SCTV. Hopefully, at some point, that special will come out, because it'd be great. Oh, my God. It would be them. amazing. But this, this, like I said, SCTV was extremely formative for me. It was extremely... Yeah. Uh, I love discovering, like I said, when I discovered Benny Hill, mm-hmm. or when I discovered uh, Monty Python, or SCTV, it was almost like you found something you shouldn't. Right. You were up in your grandpa's attic right. and uh, found right. his Playboys. Or, you know, but <laughs> it was kind of the same. My my father was a, a DJ and a radio guy, and I inherited his records after he passed. And I remember going through those as a kid and finding comedy albums like Dick yeah. Gregory or, or Jonathan Winters or, yeah. uh, or like even old... Richard Pryor albums yeah, and yeah. Mort Saul and just like I found this stash and it felt like something secret you know I, I found I found uh, um, Red Fox man oh nice and nice. I loved this was like this was this was such a wake up call for me not a wake up call but this was such a, a, a strange moment because I love Sanford and Son mm-hmm. and Sanford and Son is a, is a funny great yeah. sweet show Red Fox's stand up is the filthy yeah yeah yeah. Filthy. It's it's like it's like learning about Bob Saget's stand up. It's oh like my whoa, God. whoa. I loved it, but it yeah. was like, you know, I, I remember running to the volume <laughs> <laughs> turning it down. No. You yeah. Know? But I, I had my secret stash of comedy albums. Nice. And and it was this kind of thing, you know, late at night you're watching PBS and there comes Benny Hill, you know, there's oh, boobies, yeah. but it's also super funny. And the yeah. same thing, you know, you the boobies get you in there, but the good writing <laughs> and the comedy is what gets you right sticks right. you in because of course i mean monty python same thing yeah you know yeah. there was some you know cheeky nudity and stuff in there so you'd yeah. be like oh, but then you forget about all that right. because it's so silly and different and smart there's nothing better than smart stupid comedy yes and sctv yes. was brilliant at that oh yes and <laughs> <laughs> like half wits <laughs> oh god that was so funny but in terms of martin short Watching him on this, yeah, it cemented him as one of the greatest sketch performers ever. One oh, of the yeah. greatest character developers. Like that guy. Some of his characters may sound a little bit alike, or but they are so distinct from each other. Oh yeah, so much yeah. so that he could create a whole show just with all of his characters. Ed Grimley. Oh yeah, yeah, brought them all in. But that guy from his coked out director in the Christmas movie, <laughs> which you know his eyes and everything was just freaking oh. perfect. He just 
<laughs> when they fired him, he was just like, okay, okay, sure. All right, I guess I'm going to go over here. <laughs> and then, you know, but then the guy in the documentary or the impersonation. Or Lipschitz and Lipschitz. Or Lipschitz and Lipschitz. Or, you know, any, it's all just classic stuff. Such and brilliant, but so brilliant. He took that, and it was so awesome for me when he went to Saturday Night Live. And that period is one of my favorite periods oh, yeah. of Saturday Night Live because yeah. it, it also had uh, Christopher Guest, yeah. also had Harry Shearer. And they would do, in that period, a lot of it was pre-taped. Yeah. But yeah. there was this one bit that I'll never forget that was one of my funny, when, there's this one bit that I'll never forget that's one of my favorite sketches on SNL. Yeah. Was they did this thing with Harry Shearer and Martin Short where there were synchronized swimmers, <laughs> male synchronized swimmers. Yeah. And the whole bit was... Martin Short is like, I'm not a very strong swimmer. <laughs> and he had like little floaties and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was basically the Halfwits character. Right, you right. Know? But it's just, it's so funny and rich. And the way these guys, when you watch brilliant sketch guys or brilliant improvisers working yeah. together, there's just a magic that happens. Yeah, yeah. That it's better than just about anything. And seeing the, it, there was such a good chemistry between Shearer and and Short and Guest and yeah. all these guys that just they knew they had the same weirdo sense of humor, right? And right. wanted to do weird stuff. The, one of the weirdest things is the Jackie. What is it, Jackie? Uh, Jackie Rogers. The Jackie Rogers yeah. and Jackie Rogers Jr. Because Jackie Rogers is just your basic hey guy. I'm a, yeah, I'm an old yeah. crooner kind of guy, but Jackie Rogers Jr. <laughs> Is an albino. <laughs> so it was like, oh, okay. He's got all that. It's just instead, I don't know. The guy is brilliant in terms of the way he does characters and the way he puts them together. And so many guys, it's just a wig and a face and it's yeah, like whatever. Yeah. But there's, you don't need a wig and a face with him. No. They give it to him, but he doesn't need it because he is just so great at being a chameleon. Yeah. So great as yeah. a mimic. What makes a really great impression isn't a perfect voice. Isn't a perfect uh, mimic of that sure. person. It's finding something within that person, expanding it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes a memorable right, right impersonation. Right. And that's what he did. Yeah, it may not have been the perfect voice, but he got the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and you will be forgiven for your voice if you've got the vibe. It was instantly recognizable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, I look a. An amazing start to an amazing performer. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. an amazing month. Yeah. It's gonna uh, be fun. This is going to be fun. I'm super excited to yeah. do The Jerk. Uh, and Three Amigos. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm we're super also, excited. We're also, for the first time ever, we're doing something contemporary. Yeah. We're going to yeah. do Only Murders in the Building because it's, a, it's Steve Martin Short, baby. It's such a fantastic show. And it's such a great evolution of this partnership that has yeah. gone on for years and friendship that has gone on for years and years and the two of them together there's nobody better i watched their yeah their comedy special, the special on yeah. netflix <laughs> that's that that's probably the only thing that would get me out yeah to yeah. a concert is i would love to see the two of them. To them live oh my god it would have been the crazy all right we'll be back next week thanks for listening martin short Welcome to the Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about SCTV. Martin Short. <laughs> Let's try that again. Sorry. <laughs>
We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, WKRP in Cincinnati, already in progress.